The excerpt is sponsored by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system with 25 years of helping businesses do more with less. Stay tuned after the show for a special offer just for our listeners. Good morning, I'm Taylor Wilson, and this is Five Things You Need to Know Monday, the 13th of February, 2023. Today, the Chiefs are Super Bowl champs, plus a look at this year's big commercials and how serious is this year's strain of bird flu. The Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. The Chiefs beat the Philadelphia Eagles last night 38-35 thanks to a second-half comeback after trailing 24-14 at halftime. Quarterback Patrick Mahomes won his second Super Bowl MVP at the age of 27, despite aggravating his high ankle sprain injury late in the first half. The game was not without controversy, though. A late defensive holding call helped the Chiefs' offense stay alive in the fourth quarter. Still, the win cements the Chiefs as the team to beat in the NFL. The Chiefs won a half century without championships and now have two in the last four years. So are they a dynasty? USA Today sports reporter Nate Davis asks that question on usatoday.com. Meanwhile, Rihanna stole some of the night's spotlight with her halftime show full of 2000s hits, and she revealed during the performance that she's pregnant again. Read USA Today music writer Melissa Ruggeri's full review with a link in today's show notes. As always, many Americans tuned in to last night's big game, mostly for the commercials. USA Today's annual ad meter gave the public a chance to vote on some of their favorites, and results are still rolling in this morning. I spoke with USA Today host and producer Ralphie Aversa about some of this year's big hits. Ralphie, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. So what are some of the big trends we saw this year in Super Bowl commercials? Well, definitely stars, plural. You look at Uber with Diddy and the whole cavalcade of artists who have had big hits uh, trying to recreate an Uber One jingle. Pretty funny. Uh, Of course, you had T-Mobile starring John Travolta, but other actors is in there as well. If you're a fan of Scrubs, you know all about that. Uh, Popcorners, Breaking Bad, Brian Cranston, and Aaron Paul. So it wasn't just like one big star in an ad. It was multiple stars. Ralphie, these ad campaigns now start well before the game itself, sometimes weeks in advance. How effective is that actually for the brands? Well, it's mixed results if we're talking effectiveness for USA Today's ad meter. Now, all of these campaigns have different objectives. Some are trying to raise brand awareness. Others are trying to actually sell you a product. And so depending on the brand's objective, I think that's where then you could really judge how effective or not these are. But yeah, as you mentioned, these campaigns start weeks before the Super Bowl. And in some instances, they continue after the game. Let's talk money. What were the costs this year for Super Bowl spots? Okay, so it was reported that a 30-second spot costs about $7 million. That is a new record. It continues to go up every year. A couple of reasons around that. The biggest being, look, football is America's 
passion. It's America's addiction. Uh, and with these huge TV rights that these networks signed, the game, of course, this year was on Fox. Uh, they got to pay for that somehow, right? So that's part of it. But then on top of that $7 million for a 30-second spot, look at, again, Uber, for example, or any of these ads that involve celebrities because you got to pay that celebrity. And, and these celebrities are getting... You know, most of the time, a seven-figure deal. In some cases, an eight-figure deal. You also then look at Popcorners, right, with Breaking Bad. You have to license Breaking Bad and all that stuff, and they involve the director of Breaking Bad as well in that ad. So it can get very, very costly. Just finishing here, where can listeners find out who the ad meter winner is this morning? Okay, so if you're checking out five things first thing in the morning, we may not have the ad meter results yet, but they are coming later this morning. You'll be able to find them at admeter.usatoday.com. You can also still vote through the end of the week. A number of superlatives up for grabs. Again, sign up to be a panelist, admeter.usatoday.com. All right, Ralphia Versa, great info. Thanks so much. Thank you. Residents have returned home to parts of Ohio and Pennsylvania after an evacuation following a train derailment and toxic chemical release. The derailment happened on February 3rd, before officials released toxic chemicals from the train's tankers on February 6th. That released hydrogen chloride and phosgene into the air. Testing last week showed the air returned to normal, but at least one lawsuit has been filed related to the chemical release. We're currently seeing one of the largest bird flu outbreaks in recorded history, and the virus has begun to spill over to mammals. So how concerned should people be? USA Today health reporter Adriana Rodriguez has more. Adriana, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Let's start with the basics. What is the bird flu? So um, bird flu is actually not that new to us. We've had bird flu since the late 1990s, but this particular virus, H5N1, this particular strain has been particularly transmissible among birds, including domestic birds and wildlife birds like eagles and hawks and vultures and stuff that we don't usually um, have domesticated like we do chickens. The uh, strains that we're looking at right now is H5N1, 2, 3, 4, and 4B viruses. And those seem to be the ones that are spreading around in Africa and Asia and Europe and North and South America. So everywhere. (laughs) So Adriana, you mentioned that other animals other than birds are now getting this strain of bird flu, including some mammals. What have we seen from other species and how worried should humans be about this? Well, humans are mammals, right? So when we talk about mammals, that does bring up some concern. The sort of mammals that we've been seeing have been like raccoons, grizzly bears have been foxes. Basically, these animals are sort of individual cases. Like what they suspect is um, that this animal had eaten a bird or a dead bird or something like that that was infected with the disease and then had contracted the disease that way. There's been a couple of cases where that has been put into question because we've seen a large cluster of cases within an outbreak. So the first case where we saw that was back in the summer of 2022 in New England, we saw a cluster of seals die off because of this virus. And so while we can say maybe all of them ate infected birds because of the close proximity and because of how many were infected and died, 
there is a chance and a suggestion that, you know, maybe this was sort of mammal to mammal transmission instead of just the usual animal eats infected bird animal then gets infected. Another case where we saw this was also sort of in the fall with the mink farm in Spain. What happened was is that a couple got sick, then there became a lot got sick and had hot spots and stuff like that. And so this mink farm, they did eat poultry byproducts. But as we have said, the fact that so many had gotten sick and they were sick sort of in their hot spots, which suggests animal to animal transmission again, that's another cause of concern that public health experts are like, okay, it's not just maybe bird to animal and then animal gets sick and dies. Now there might be some transmission between mammals to mammals. And have any human cases popped up with this strain yet? There have been some human cases. Um, since 2020, I believe there has been six total cases and they've popped up in China, the UK, Vietnam, the US had a case as well. But all of those cases have been suspected to just be like workers who have close contact with the infected bird. So it doesn't seem like there was sort of a human to human or even a mammal to human transmission. Yeah, so six people since 2020, that's not a ton of people, not a ton of cases. If things do get out of control and we see a widespread outbreak, is the U.S. ready for a bird flu pandemic? Public health experts have been sounding the alarm for pandemics since even before bird flu, since before COVID, and all of the same pandemic measures apply. So we need a bunch of testing. We need a bunch of treatments. We need a bunch of vaccines. Right now with bird flu, we don't really know too much about it to be super duper equipped with it. With influenza, we do have treatments. You know, we have antivirals, but we're not sure how that will work against bird flu. HHS says we do have some vaccines, but this is not meant to be totally distributed out to people. This is not sort of a stockpile as other media outlets had suggested. This is meant to be a stepping stone to be able to scale up and match with the gene sequence and see if this is viable for H5N1. And if it is, then you go on that path of sequencing and gene matching and scaling up. And so that could take maybe like a six month process. And that's not just because we're not ready. That's just how medical science works. And so I feel like, are we ready? There's so many questions and factors that go into it. It's really hard to answer that question straight on. It's not like we're going in ground zero. We don't know anything about influenza or flu, but at the same time, there's so much unknown about H5N1, especially these particular strains and the mutations involved with them that it's hard to sufficiently prepare and say, we have 300 million vaccines for this. All right, Adriana Rodriguez covers health for USA Today. Thanks so much, Adriana, I appreciate it. Thank you. The U.S. has shot down an unidentified flying object over Michigan. It's the fourth flying object the U.S. has shot down this month, beginning with the Chinese spy balloon. The Federal Aviation Administration and NORAD yesterday temporarily closed airspace over Lake Michigan. And fighter jets scrambled to investigate a radar finding, but did not initially find an object. Officials indicated the object may have surveillance capabilities and maybe another spy balloon. Thanks for listening to Five Thanks. You can find us every day of the week right here, wherever you're listening right now. I'm back tomorrow with more of Five Things from USA Today.
Your business gets to a certain size and the cracks start to emerge. Things you used to do in a day are taking a week. You have too many manual processes. You don't have one source of truth. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000, 25, 1. 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. 1. Because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need, all in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash excerpt. That's netsuite.com slash E-X-C-E-R-P-T to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash excerpt.